Alright guys, so we're back with part two of the running backs preview. Let's get right into it. So moving on guys, we're going to hit our 19 through 10 here. Uh, this is this is where it's going to get really juicy. I think we're going to have a lot of fun here. Not that Derrick Henry was fun enough already. So starting at 19, we've got James White. Moving on up, we've got Josh Jacobs, Marlon Mack, Melvin Gordon, Aaron Jones, Devonta Freeman, Carrion Johnson, Leonard Fournette, Joe Mixon. So let's just go ahead and, and start here with James White. So James White finished as the RB. What did he finish as? It was like 11 or 12. No. What did James I, I White finish as? I think he was 10, I think. I think he was RB10. Scott would have to help me with that, but I'm pretty sure he was RB10. Oh, no, I got him in. Yeah, I thought, I, he, was I, like, I thought gonna, he was running back seven. Seven is oh, what I'm looking seven? at. I, oh, okay. I didn't even expect him to be that high. I can't believe. I thought I had that it's all good. planned out there. Yeah. Yeah, so we have him down here ranked 19th overall after finishing seventh last season. So I find that ex- extremely interesting. Uh, Scott, I know you're a big James White truther here. Tell us why you're ranking him so low after the season that he had last season. I, I just think that with Gronk going, that, that offense is going to have to transition more into the run, which is why I have Sony Michelle ranked a little bit higher than, than everyone else. And I think when you look at it, there's going to be opportunity there for him. But from a, from a regression standpoint, if you look at where his touchdowns were, I don't think he can have the same touchdown output as what he did last year. And you start looking at, at his production. I mean, last year, he would have been a, a top 20 wide receiver just on his receiving numbers. So if you just took out his, his rushing numbers, and he, he still would have finished you know, towards, towards the tops. I, I just don't think that he can consistently put up exactly the same type of efficient numbers that he did last year. I think the opportunity is going to be there still. I think... He's, he's going to be what he is in, in that passing role for New England. But I, I think when it comes to the, the touchdowns, I think the touchdowns can definitely regress. And I think Sony Michelle is going to get more run than what a lot of people think. So even last year, he finished as a running back seven. Nobody projected him to do that. He, he didn't have a history that, that, that said, hey, James White's going to gonna be that guy. The, you know, the rule's been with, with New England players, draft the cheapest one, and last year he happened to be the cheapest one. So you had Rex Burkhead and Sony Michelle going, and, and the guys that, that picked up on James White and wanted to get a piece of that offense were, were happily rewarded. Um, you know, I, I just think when, when you start looking at it, I, I think he's going to come back down to earth a little bit but still be able to, to produce enough to, to give you value for where he's being drafted. Yeah, so I think James White is, I think, you know, we talk about these these high floors for these PPR guys, and I think, look, he's got a high floor. That's why I have him at 20. That's why Scott's got him at 20. Kilby, that's why we have him at 19. I think the floor's there. The regression's going to come. He's not going to score 12 touchdowns again. But, look, this is someone who can score six to eight touchdowns and really flirt with 1,200 total yards. I mean, last year he did it. I think the yard. I think the thing about James White is I think the yardage numbers last year. I think that's really accurate. I, I'm really. I think the the the, the uh, receiving yards might come down a little bit, but I'm not. I wasn't too overly freaked out about the yardage. I was just. I think it was touchdowns last year. I think 12 touchdowns was a little too much for him. I think you take away four touchdowns, that takes away 24 fantasy points from him, which probably bumps him down to kind of 
RB12 territory probably. So uh, I expect James White to be a shoe in for 800 to 1200 total yards and at least at least five touchdowns at least. And I think it could be someone who could have huge boom potential. And I think, again, middle round running backs, I'm, I'm all for James White. I think no Gronk is going to change the offense a little bit, but I also think it's going to be dump off city for Tom. So I, I think Edelman and James White are going to feast a lot in PPR leagues. Moving on to Josh Jacobs here, the rookie out in Oakland. Scott's really high on him. I'm interested to hear about this. Look, I think when it comes to Josh Jacobs, you, you have to look at, at John John Gruden as a, as a coordinator and, and how he calls those offenses and whatnot. Josh Jacobs has running back one upside. He catches the ball. He was lightly used at Alabama. The way Gruden has used running backs all the way back to Cadillac Williams, Tyrone Wheatley, these guys, I think Josh Jacobs flat out is going to see close to 300 touches. Uh, I think in this offense and the, the way it's going to need to operate and who knows what the hell is going to end up happening with Antonio Brown, I think Josh Jacobs is going to have to be one of the focal points for this offense. So I think when you look at his receiving upside, you know they do have Jalen Richard there, but I still think Josh Jacobs is going to catch the ball lightly used at Alabama, although you saw him produce there whenever he got the ball. I just I like where he's at as far as the the stepping stone to to seeing more touches and, and being the bell cow for this Oakland offense. And I, I expect that Oakland offense to be able to move the ball better than what they did last year with Antonio Brown and, and Terrell Williams. So I, I just think Josh Jacobs is going to be the focus piece. And one of the things you heard John Gruden say whenever Josh Jacobs was drafted was be ready to get the ball. So I expect Josh Jacobs to to flourish and and have close to 300 touches. And that's what I'm trying to buy whenever I'm looking at these running backs is touches. And where Josh Jacobs is going, I think he's an easy value as far as the what you're going to spend for the touches that he's going to get. I, I, I like the value Scott's got him at. I think, you know, having it, ha, having him at 12 might be a little bold. But look, I think this range, you can crunch these guys together. At least for me, I'm the high guy on Carrion Johnson. But you look at guys like Devontae Freeman, Aaron Jones, Marlon Mack, there's Damian Williams. There's no real reason that you shouldn't take Josh Jacobs ahead of those guys. I think, I mean, I think you really could. I think, you know, Scott brings up good points and that they're going to need a new focal point in that offense. They're going to need someone to get the ball. They're going to need someone to make that offense and keep that offense turning. So I'm just, you know, from my, my stances, I'm, I'm a little nervous about the offense as a whole. I can see that offense flourishing with Tyra Williams being a nice, you know, number two option for Derek Carr in the passing game. I think Tyra Williams is an incredibly underrated wide receiver, but I think, look, that offense can flourish and Josh Jacobs could do phenomenal or that offense I feel like could burn into pieces. And um, I'm just a little nervous about it. Guys like Marlon Mack, I like a little more because I like the offense. Aaron Jones, I love the offense. And I think Aaron Jones is really talented. Uh, Devontae Freeman, I like the offense, I like the upside. So Damian Williams, love the offense, love the upside. So just a little worried about that offense in Oakland. I, I think I'm just just worried at where that offense can propel Josh Jacobs ceiling. So I think it's going to be an interesting thing to watch. And I think if you're in a keeper league, I'm, I'm aiming for Josh Jacobs. If this was a keeper league right now, I'd probably have Josh Jacobs as, as an RB one, you know, if that kind of gives any clarity to anybody. Oh, good take there guys. We're going to move on to Marlon Mack. Andrew, you have him ranked at 16. I have him at 15 and Scott, you have him at 18. 
I'm a little high on Mac as far as I liked what I saw from that offense last season. We didn't know what to expect because we weren't I mean, all the way leading up to to uh, week one. We weren't even sure if Andrew Luck was even going to play, if he was healthy. We didn't know what to expect. The deal with Marlon Mack last season, he finished as the running back, I think it was 21, but he was injured a lot of the season. So I think if we get a good, healthy Mack back and that offense gels a little more under Frank Reich, I really like the potential of this guy. I, I think he could even dip into to top 10 status if uh, everything falls right for him. What do you think, Scott? You seem to be the lowest on him. I think top 10 is absolutely ridiculous. I do not see Marlon Mack reaching that status whatsoever. You start talking about him last year and, and receptions. He had 17 receptions. Naheem Hines is a vastly superior pass catcher, you know, in, in that third down passing back role. Even with the offense and the new weapons that they have, I just don't see where Marlon Mack is going to get those receptions from. And let's face it, when you want to be a top 10 running back in fantasy football, you have to be a three down back. You have to be able to catch the ball. And that's just not something that's in, in Marlon Mack's future within that offense. There's too many other guys, too many other weapons. You bring in a Paris Campbell who can also get some touches out of the backfield. I just don't see those opportunities being there for Marlon Mack. I think it caps his ceiling. And I, I think Marlon Mack is, is one of those guys I'm a little bit more worried about uh, of the guys that are in the top 20 he's a guy that i think could could you know possibly underperform you know he's just somebody that worries me a little bit i i think he's uh not quite as as good as what everybody thinks he is and and he's a guy i'm a little bit lower on are you worried about it from the standpoint of uh regression or injury or what are you really worried about i'm just worried about it for a little bit from injury but i i think naheem hines is a better player than what he showed last year. Uh, and and like I said, whenever I'm looking at it, it, he just doesn't catch enough passes for me. So I have him ranked right there with Derrick Henry. All the arguments that you're making against Derrick Henry is stuff that I would say, uh, you know, with, with, with Marlon Mack. I, I think they're they're similar players in, in their numbers and how they perform and how they're given the ball. I, I think Mack's in a little bit better offense, but – in that better offense, there's a lot of other options that, that are going to sit there and get the ball. So uh, I just think he, he's a guy who's capped. I think what you're getting and what you're paying to, to acquire him is, is about you're squeezing all the juice you can possibly get out of this orange. You know, I, I don't think you're going to get much more than what you pay for him. I, he's not a guy that, that I see having a, a lot of upside. I mean, he, he's not <laughs> – He's not Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry doesn't catch passes. Derrick Henry's going to catch like 10 balls. Derrick Henry, Mack... had, Derrick Henry had more receiving yards than Marlon Mack did last year. So because Derrick Henry had more receiving yards. He had not, wait. Derrick, I, hold on. Hold on here. So I know for a fact Derrick Henry last year caught ninety, had 99 receiving yards. So I know Marlon Mack had more than that. Maybe okay. by a few. Let me see if I'm mistaken. I mean, look, they might be in the same range, but Marlon Mack also played 12 games and he started 10 of them. I'm just not high on Marlon Mack. No, and, <laughs> and that's fine. <laughs> that's that's totally fine. But I mean, I one just, guy I, had 15 receptions. The other guy had 17 receptions. Uh, I mean, in Derek 10 Henry, games, I, I, in I 10 stand games. corrected. Derrick Henry had 99 yards receiving. There you so go. Marlon I, Mack I did have was, more receiving I, yards I trashed Derrick Henry but, so much, so I know Derrick Henry is underwhelming in a lot of aspects. I think, I think, no, I think he'll be saying 
ten, uh, a top 10 potential. I think that's a little too much. But I think to believe that Marlon Mack can't be, can't finish, I think if he's healthy, I think top 15 is totally viable and it's totally fine. And he can be worth it, uh, an RB1 on your team. I think, you know, I think the touchdown regression is going to be there. He scored 10 touchdowns in 10 games. That's not going to happen, obviously. But in that good of an offense, if the guy can stay healthy, and that's a big if. That is a big if. I think if he can stay healthy, there's there's totally a passageway for him for him to score 10 touchdowns. Last year, he was on pace for way more than 10 touchdowns. But if he plays 16 games, 10 touchdowns and 1,200 total yards is totally fine. It's totally there. And I think you're kind of banking on someone like Derrick Henry to score to run for 1200 yards and score 10 touchdowns but at the same time Mac's going to add in probably like it or not Marlon Mack can fall into 25 catches for 200 yards I, I think I think in PPR leagues I think Marlon Mack can be a fine value definitely think, out of Derrick Henry I think when you look at Marlon Mack I, I have him I have him ranked exactly where his ADP is he's the running back t- Excuse me. He's the running back 18, pick 36. So he's the last pick in the third round. I mean, I, I just I think he's priced appropriately for for me. I, I have him ranked at 18. His ADP is 18. It's I, I just think you're getting exactly what you're paying for, and, and I think the upside, his upside, and is is priced into his ADP. I mean, he is where he is, and it, it, I don't I don't see much more out of him. So fair. All right, now we're going to move on to a guy that's been in the news quite a bit here. We got Melvin Gordon. Uh, Andrew, you have him ranked at 14. I have him ranked at 10th. And Scott, you dropped him down to 24th. Now, I saw something interesting here about Melvin Gordon, and he posted a picture on his Instagram page wearing a helmet and uh, a necklace with TNF on it, which basically means Thursday night football. What's interesting about that is the Chargers actually have a Thursday night matchup against the Raiders in week 10, right uh, right after their bye week. Now, this is very interesting because this could hint at the fact that Gordon could be um, letting letting us know that he plans to hold out and then return um, until he could return in week 10 and basically still get credit for playing the season and qualify for free agency next season. So... That's that's pretty big, uh, Scott. Is this is, is this the news that you got? Did you see this uh, Instagram picture? Is this why you dropped him so low? Yeah, I actually did not see the Instagram picture or anything of, of that nature. I just think when you look at the situation, I think Melvin Gordon is the most likely of the holdout candidates to to actually go through with it. Um, I, I can very much see a, a situation where he comes back in a week eight or a week nine, plays the minimum amount of games, and, and then gets his free agency and, and moves on. I, I think when you look at it, San Diego's also in a better position than Dallas is with Zeke to go ahead and withstand Melvin Gordon holding out, and I just don't see a whole lot of movement there. Um, some other people think that he's going to come back and play, and, and if the if the arrows point towards that, then I would go ahead and move him up. Uh, it's nothing to do with a talent perspective or anything of that nature. I just think there is a danger there for him to miss time. And if he does miss time, depending upon how many games there is, I think ranking him at the running back 24 is is baking that that risk that you're you're seeing into his his ADP and where I have him ranked. So I, I think when you look at it and your drafts start coming around, if 
if Melvin Gordon is is there, you really have to pause for a second and see how comfortable you are with him coming back. For me, I think the value starts hitting there whenever you you have him there at at running back twenty four. So if if he's still holding out, and I, I see my my top twenty three running backs come off the board, and I, I'm there and and the late fourth, fifth round or something, I, I'd think about pulling the trigger then. But if, if he hasn't reported and none of the news has changed, then for me, he's staying there at running back 24. Man, the balls you have to have to take Derrick Henry over Melvin Gordon. Whew. Couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. Look, I have him at <laughs> I have him at 14 <laughs> overall. I have him at 14 overall because this is this is how I'm looking at it. I have Zeke at 13. You know, a little sneak peek before we get into it. Um, I have these guys there because the running backs I had I have ahead of them, I think have the potential to be to really burst into a top five running back. I, I think it's possible Leonard Fournette could have a top five running back season. Is it likely? Hell no. But is it possible? Yeah, so then I look at these guys behind him. I look at the Marlon Max, who we know Scott isn't a fan of. I look at the Derrick Henry, who no one's a fan of. I look at Aaron Jones, who I enjoy. But I don't think those guys have the potential to be a top-five running back. I don't see things going right for those guys to be this huge game-changer. So I'm going to put Marlon Mack and Zeke in this range because I think you can take them in the end of the third round or early fourth and just handcuff them. And I think you just have to deal with that. I think Melvin Gordon coming back in week 10, I think if you can survive 10 games, I think getting him in the end of round three is phenomenal. I mean, look, we were joking about it earlier, but I started a draft today where I went DeAndre Hopkins, Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon. I mean, I I, I handcuffed handcuffed, uh, Henderson with Gurley, and I handcuffed Jackson with with, uh, Gordon, who might not be the every down handcuff, but I'm, I'm assuming that... He's more of an every-down back than Eckler. So I think if you can handcuff your guys, I think if you could enter... I mean, look, I saw a guy yesterday who drafted Zeke and Gurley and then went ahead and someone else got Gurley at the end of the third round. I think if you can enter Week 10 with someone like Melvin Gordon being your third-drafted player, I mean, God, I mean, if you start your drafts with receiver-receiver, Julio Jones, Juju Smith-Schuster, and you grab yourself a Melvin Gordon third round, I think if you can can survive it, I think it's worth it. So I personally am going to have Melvin in that running back 14 range because I can take someone who can have as big as an impact as Melvin Gordon in the third round and I can sit on that and gamble with it. I think it's just worth it. And I, I, I mean, I, I get, I, I think just Scott's got a different mindset and it's not ragging on you, but I know you have AJ Green lower in your rankings than I do. I just, I, I, Scott, let me ask you this in a non-sarcastic way and I'm being serious. At what point do you kind of weigh your options of taking that gamble? Is it just that you're you'd rather get someone who you know is going to produce for ten weeks, or is it the fact that you kind of just don't want to gamble or don't want to have to put all your stock into someone who's not going to play until maybe week ten when you could be four and six at that point? If you kind of get what I'm saying. Look, I I've thought about this a good bit and. It just depends on how the draft breaks. I have Melvin Gordon ranked where I where I have him ranked because I think that's what the risk is. With that risk being said, I've been known to live on the wild side, and I can definitely see a situation where if Zeke dropped, I'd go ahead and take Zeke, and then in the second round come back with a guy like Nick Chubb or Dalvin Cook, exactly. and in the third round go ahead and take Melvin Gordon. So I, I could see situations where I take Gordon higher. 
However, if I'm going to stick with a, a safety net, which is generally what I do with my first three picks, you know, I always say you can't necessarily win your league with your first three picks, but you can definitely lose it if one of those three picks or any of them really don't pan out. And I, I think there's a situation where you can be missing Melvin Gordon, you know, for, for eight weeks. And, and if you don't play it right and you have an injury here or there or another player doesn't pan out, you might not be looking in a spot where you can make a playoff run. So when when you're talking eight weeks in and generally seasons are 12 to 13 weeks, you know, you could be putting yourself behind an eight ball. That being said, if players drop like Zeke and I find myself taking Zeke late in the first round and then I find myself getting another running back in the second round, will I roll the dice and take Melvin Gordon in the third round? I might. My thoughts on that, I'm leaving him where he's at until I, I I hear more news. But after seeing that little post on Instagram, that definitely has me really worried about him sitting out till week 10. We could potentially see that happen for sure. Uh, moving on, we got Aaron Jones. This is a guy here that we as a fantasy community have been begging to have the leash taken off of him. Mike McCarthy wasn't willing to do it. Do we see Matt LaFleur doing that very thing this season Andrew, let's start with you. God, I hope so. Uh, you know, I've always really enjoyed Aaron Jones. Um, I think he's been incredibly just, he's been a great runner. I think last year he was a guy who I really planted my flag onto. I mean, which isn't saying much because I think everyone planted their fat flag on him in the industry. I think you look at Jones where he was going last year, he's basically free. And he was someone who you looked at that Mike McCarthy offense and you kind of said, just unleash the poor guy. Just unleash him. And he and once they did, he, he kind of paid off. So I really like Jones. Um, I'm a little concerned on Matt LaFleur. I, I don't think we know really what's going to happen with him. So that's kind of my concern. That's why I have him around 15. But Jones is an incredibly awesome talent. He's someone who has really proven himself, in my opinion, to be an NFL starting running back. So I, I like him in that 15 range. And he's someone who... I think if he's dropping into the fourth round of drafts, I think you don't have a choice of uh, passing him up. I actually, in my draft yesterday, I was facing Jones in the fourth round, and I went Chris Godwin over him for some reason. I should probably should have just went Jones. I just didn't want to start my team with three running backs. But I think you look at someone like Aaron Jones, and I think he's he he's really got a, a firm grasp of being an NFL running back. And I think he's someone who, if he can play 16 games, if he can stay healthy, I think... I think a thousand yards is is a given and, and probably a uh, great offense led by the greatest quarterback to ever uh, step on a football field. Blasphemy! <laughs> I had to add that part just for you. <laughs> uh, but we agree on Aaron Jones, though, so let's hear it. Well, uh, to be honest with you, Aaron Jones is just a guy that I've struggled with. Uh, I think the talent is there, just for some reason, he's not a guy I end up with in a lot of drafts. I mean, last year. You know, number six production premium, number nine yards per touch. So the efficiency and the production there, the talents there. We have a new coaching staff. Hopefully, they'll move away from the Jamal Williams experiment that the last coaching staff was was doing because Aaron Jones is just a supremely more talented running back than what Williams is. Um, you look at player profiler as most comparable player is Christian McCaffrey, and we'll get to the McCaffrey a little bit later. So. It's kind of interesting just to see where they have him as far as like some of the metrics. But I think Jones is a guy who can actually break out this year and, and play above his ADP. 
Um, we talked about Marlon Mack a little bit, and I think Jones just has more upside in the receiving department. Last year, he, he only had 26 receptions, but he, you know he was in, injured for for some of that. I just think the upside's there with this offense to go ahead and and maybe finish higher than what his ADP is. I think he's definitely a value there where he's being drafted, and he's a guy I'd be interested in if I can just manage to get him. I just don't end up coming out of drafts with him very often. I'm right there with you. I, I don't ever get a ton of Aaron Jones either. I don't ever get any Melvin Gordon, so that's why I'm never really too worried about that. Moving on to Devonta Freeman. Andrew, you have him at 18. Scott and I both agree with them having him at 14 here. That Atlanta Falcons offense got rejuvenated last season. and uh, Now, here's a guy who's been injured the last two seasons, but, but prior to that, he put forth, let's see, 2015, he had, he was the number one overall running back. And then 2016, he was the number six. Then two injury seasons. So this is a guy that I see, he's fully healthy. Reports coming out of camp is that his, he, he's got a stronger burst. He's cutting like he's never cut before. And uh, this is a team with Super Bowl aspirations. He's got Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley out there to help take some pressure off of him. Andrew, since you're the lowest on him, let's let's see what you have. What's your thoughts on Devonta Freeman here? Um, Devonta Freeman is interesting. In the fact that I, I think the talent is undeniable. I think you look at what he did in his in you know, I think it was 2015 where he was. I think he was running back number one in fantasy. He was either 2015 or 2016, and he's just there's a lot of talent in that offense. But what I'm concerned about with Freeman is, I think. Look, I think there's injuries. I think there's injuries that you look at someone like Odell Beckham and you're like, okay, well, he's had injury problems. What if he gets hurt? It's like, okay, well, he fractured his ankle. He had hamstring issues. Like, there were some things. The thing about Devontae Freeman is this. He's got a he's got an issue with concussions. He's had a few concussions. Uh, he's had some knee issues in the same right knee. He's had some uh, sports hernia issues. Those are all things that can really come back up. And so I'm just nervous from that aspect, I'm being honest. I really don't put the injury label on a lot of people. I'm actually really a guy who avoids injury predictions at, at all costs. I really don't think it's fair for a lot of players to say, okay, well, he might get hurt, so I'm going to take someone else. It's like, okay, well, the talent is there. But while the talent is there, it's someone who's dealt with concussions, and that's that shit reoccurs, dude. I think that that stuff finds a way to happen again, and so it just makes me incredibly nervous uh, that – I'm just going to take guys like Carryon Johnson, who I think have higher upside. I'm going to gamble on the Zeke Elliott's, the Melvin Gordon's, the Aaron Jones, even the Marlon Max. I think Marlon Mack has some injury concerns in his own right. But you look at Devontae Freeman, and again, sports hernias reoccur, concussions reoccur. I just you look at sportsinjurypredictor.com. It's 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 a really cool tool if you're ever into fantasy drafts and you're worried about guys like AJ Green and stuff like that. I think it's a cool website and. You know, they have his chance of injury, you know, at over 50%. And I just, I'm worried about it. Running backs take enough hits as it is. And I'm just, I'm not really too high on Freeman. And I'm just kind of worried about it. Scott, what do you think? Yeah, I just think the value is there for Freeman. Uh, you, you talked about it earlier. He, he's had a year of, of producing as the running back one. He's coming off of injury, but now you have Tevin Coleman going. So I think you're getting a discount for, for the talent that's there. You're getting an injury discount, and then on top of it, you're possibly getting more of a, an enhanced receiving role with Tevin Coleman going. 
Um, we talked about it a little earlier. I'm not the hugest Edo Smith guy. So for me, I'm just con- comfortable with that Atlanta offense in particular and, and having Devontae Freeman attached to it. And I think where he's going, I, I think you have some of those risks baked in. So for, for me, I'm comfortable taking him, you know, at his ADP or even a little bit higher, depending upon where he goes. But, you know, I, I, I think he's, he's there for a bounce back year. I agree. I, I I think this offense is primed to to be explosive this year. They're in a tough division, but I definitely could see Devontae Freeman uh, being able to get back to his form from 2015-2016 season. Next guy we're going to talk about here is Carryon Johnson. Andrew, you've got him at 11. I have him at 18. Scott, you have him at 16. I think I'm a little lower on him just because I'm low on this Detroit Lions offense as a whole. With Matt Patricia there, um, you know, Matthew Stafford doesn't really have a security blanket anymore. They brought in Danny Amendola, who can he can dump it down to, but how many games is he going to last? Like four, five, maybe. Now they do say that they're planning on leaning on that run game, but I, I just don't know. I mean, I didn't really see quite enough for me to rank him any higher than I'd have him at this moment. So I'm interested to hear from you, Andrew, as to why you have him uh, right outside the top 10. I think he is probably one of the most talented running backs out of last year's draft class, aside from Saquon, obviously, I think carry on the thing about carry on that freaked everybody out is his shoulder i think you remember he dropped down some rankings because of his shoulder injury the dude just looked awesome last year and i think another aspect of it is you know you have no theoretic there so you saw last year toward before his injury you saw carry on getting targets i mean he had eight five six targets and then he got two targets in the game he got hurt in he just you saw his uptick in receiving popping up you saw his talent on the ground. He just looked awesome. I think I remember last year, you know, he burst onto that scene in that game against Miami when he ran for 160 yards. And it just, you kind of just knew something was there with him. And I'm just completely enamored by his talent. I think he's an incredibly talented guy. I think Detroit isn't going to be as bad as people think. I think, I think the offense is going to be not as great. But the thing is, I think that defense is incredibly underrated. I think they can stop the run. When they brought Damon Snacks Harrison in last year, they became one of the best run-stopping defenses in the NFL. I think this is a Detroit Lions team who can flirt with eight wins. They can kind of be a middle ground team, which is just enough to keep his fantasy value right there. And I'm just super impressed with the talent, and I'm just I'm totally bought in with Carrion Johnson. I think no theoretic is going to allow for Carrion to have an upside of over 50 catches, and I think in a PPR league, I think Carrion's got got upside to do great things. Yeah, my only concern with Carrion Johnson is going to be how what type of pace is this Detroit Lions team going to have? I mean, they they didn't run a whole shit ton of plays last year. Um, and for those of you uh, listening at home, shit ton is an official stat in the, the Scott Smith vocabulary. So. I just I'm concerned with pace. I mean that that's that's my biggest concern. I, I think theoretically, even it does open up for Carryon Johnson to go ahead and and get some more receptions going his way. But Carryon Johnson didn't get the ball a ton at the goal line last year. So is he going to get those goal line carries that were kind of missing out last year? 
Um, I think he is in, in a place in a good position to to go ahead and ascend. You start looking at, at the depth chart, and you've got C.J. Anderson, who could be the goal line issue. Um, Ty Johnson from Maryland could could kind of sneak in and, and get some receptions, but I, I think on Johnson moving up the the ranks is is, is the right thing. I have him conservatively at 16 because I think there is some worry with that Detroit offense a little bit. But, uh, you know, he's a guy that I, I think Andrew has correct. I think he can move into that, that running back one discussion. And, you know, I, I can see him right here competing with likes of Leonard Fournette, Joe Mixon, and, and on down the line. So moving on, we got Leonard Fournette. This is a guy I've – Man, it's just the off-field situations with this guy. I just don't I never know oh, what to make of him, man. Man, you're gonna give me, man. You, you, you're gonna make an y'all are gonna make an enemy out of both of both of y'all are gonna make an enemy. Off-field <laughs> issues? What off-field issues? Well, I mean, he's got on-field issues too. Just like d- deciding he just doesn't even want to play. He's just what? Just what? Bad attitude. I mean, what? what I just don't. I just. Play? I just don't know. I just don't <laughs> okay. know. Come on now, the dude—the dude was an idiot, and he pissed—and it pissed me off. You know, it pissed all of us off. If you were an owner of Leonard Fournette last year, watching him get in that fight—I mean, he—he kind of was picking up steam against that Buffalo Bills, and he pick gets in a fight and he misses a fantasy playoff. So that sucked. And yeah, the dude decided to drive on a suspended license. Not smart. Let's let's agree. But I mean, I just—I don't think it's an off-field, off-the-field concern at all. Um. I just I'm I'm totally just going to lead this discussion from the start. I think Leonard has upside to be a top five running back. I think you look at John uh, John DeFilippo. I think they're going to pass the ball a lot. I think Leonard's going to be the beneficiary of that. I don't see a lot of I really not even a lot of I don't see anyone on that depth chart who's going to take away from Leonard. I think Alfred Blue is literally just the NFL real life handcuff. He like they 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 made it they did a fantasy move and drafted Alfred Blue instead of Leonard is out you could just insert someone who is basically Leonard. Uh, I mean no one is going to take away from Leonard this year if he is healthy. I literally think I, look if Leonard he, here's another prediction. I don't think he's going to play 16 games. I think he said he's had groin issues before leading all the way back to his high school days out here in New Orleans. But you look at Leonard if Leonard plays 16 games he is going to be a top eight running back. Like it, it, it's a shoe in. I mean, I think Leonard is the the fact of the matter is he's just have to, he has to play those games. I I don't see a pathway to Leonard not being productive if he's on the field. Yeah, I'd have to echo the same sentiments. My biggest concern is is his ankle and just the injury history. I think you do have some recurring issues there with Leonard Fournette that that concern you. But let's face it, the Jaguars have been consistent and. And remain steadfast with, with their dedication to Fournette and feeding him the ball. They started to build a lot of offense around him with the with the offensive line and and, and the focus on that over the last few years. We talk about D. Filippo coming in, and I think what you're going to see you're going to see Leonard Fournette involved a lot more in the passing game. He's probably played in just about the worst offense that that could be built for him for his his skill point and even even during that time with Blake Bortles at, at the helm he was still the running back 7 and running back 12 in points per game so i think the only thing you really have to worry about here is is the injury history so if injuries pop up you're going to end up seeing the same thing that that you've seen in 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 the past but 
on the games that he's healthy, you're talking about top five running back upside. And I think that's what you can look forward to if he can stay healthy in that DeFilippo offense catching more passes. So he's a guy that I definitely have my eye on. Um, I've been seeing him drop to the third round a lot of times. And if he's there in the third round, I'm taking him, especially if I went wide receiver, wide receiver at the start. I think you look at last year, Jacksonville lost 305 targets last year, including TJ Yeldon and some of their other guys. They have to replace 305 touches and targets, and I think Leonard's going to feast. I think, like you said, Scott, this is a guy who, if he stays healthy, it's it's a given. It's just a given. And then you add in the fact that, again, they're playing one of the easiest passing schedules, some of the worst secondaries. If Nick Foles has any success in the passing game, I do. I just do not see a pass a, a way that Leonard does not feast. And I know we talked a lot, Kilby, but did we convince you that Leonard is a is a is a nice human being and a good fantasy option? <laughs> I don't have anything against him as a person. I, <laughs> I, I honestly, I think it's more the the injury situation there that that worries me. The fact that he hasn't played a full sixteen game season. I'm excited to kind of see. If this offense is able to transition uh, and and become something better than what we've seen, the garbage that we've seen over the past couple of years with Nick Foles leading the way there, and if Nick Foles can 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 pull it off and and hit his receivers, now the receiving core is a little iffy. Um, there's some guys there, but still a little iffy. If he if he can get some chemistry with those guys and and take some heat off of Leonard in the box, then. I yeah I could be convinced I could be convinced to to take him if I if he falls to me in the right place but I'm not reaching I'm not I'm not looking for him in any regards if that tells you anything anything else about Leonard Fournette guys no I think we're good yeah good there okay let's move on to Joe Mixon here this is a guy we're all pretty much right about the same here. I'm the I'm the highest on him at nine. Um, thing about Joe Mixon here, I mean, the offensive line has had some injuries to it. Uh, got AJ Green going down, so right now that offense is 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 already struggling out the gate, and we haven't even got to week one yet. So I'm going to throw it over to you, Scott. Uh, what are your feelings towards Joe Mixon and uh, this offense this season? Look, I'm not I'm not super thrilled about the offense. I, I'm not sure that uh, the new coaching staff is going to be able to reproduce a lot of what the the Rams have been able to do. But the one thing you got to look at when you're talking about Joe Mixon is there were only seven running backs last year in the NFL that had 200 carries and 50 targets, and Joe Mixon was one of them. So from a volume standpoint, he's there. He's not attached to one of the better offenses, um, but I, I think you're getting what you pay for at that point in in the draft when it would have first few running backs you know the 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 top ones come off the board and we start getting to this tier you have to look for for that that production and and i think that production is going to come from the volume that joe mixon's getting he has the talent he's got Le'Veon bell type talent so i I just think it's a matter of riding out the volume and and, you know making sure that you you pay for and get the volume that you're looking for in in this point in draft so i'm comfortable with joe mixon if i miss out on on some of the other top guys the problem that I think I run into with Joe Mixon is I like some wide receivers that go in this range better. So I'm not, I don't have anything against Joe Mixon. I, I just think in the range where he's being drafted, I might tend in my personal philosophy to lean a little bit more towards some of the wide receivers. 
Yeah, you know, I think the thing about Joe Mixon is just I, I'm a lot of concerns about that offense. I think, um, you know, something that running backs um, really feast on in fantasy is, is volume, and I think he will get that volume, which is why I have him in this range. But look, I think, um, again, I coming out of that draft, I had Mixon rated above Leonard Fournette for these rookie running backs. I think the talent for Joe Mixon is off the charts, but just worried about that offense. I'm really worried about that offense. I'm, I, I think that they could be fine, but at the same time, I think they could be a dumpster fire as well. So I'm just a little nervous about it. The talent is there, but I think Joe Mixon, I think his, I think his range as running back 10 is perfect. I think you take him above Leonard because he, he, he's got a better history of not getting hurt. And I think you take him, take him over carry on Johnson because he's got more of a track record and, more of a passage, uh, more of a pathway, I should say, to targets and volumes. So I think running back 10 is just perfect for Joe Mixon. It's just kind of really all I have to say on it. All right. Well, we will move on to one of the biggest hot topics since the end of last season. That's going to be Todd Gurley. We have him at 10 overall. Andrew and Scott, you both have him at 9. I have him at 11. If I I don't know what to make of this situation. It, it really scares me. And I know a lot of people are saying that this has just been blown out of proportions. Uh, it's a little too much. I personally look at it as in it's, it's a 16-week season. It's a grueling season. The man has arthritis in his knee. We saw him pretty much. He wasn't even able to really even play in the playoffs. I mean, C.J. Anderson took over. That worries me for moving on into this season. Yeah, they're talking about cutting back his reps. Uh, they, they, they drafted Daryl Henderson. I, I just tend to be worried that at any moment that knee could flare up and then suddenly this guy is not going to be available. I mean, if he fell to me in late second, third round, I might take a chance on him. But even then, I'm still, I wouldn't, I'm not going to be excited about it. And I, if you can change my mind, please let me know. Um, Andrew, let's start with you. Yeah, <laughs> it was so funny. You know, when we were prepping um, for uh, this episode, I, I literally yesterday for about 10 minutes, I kept flipping the numbers around on Todd Gurley. Like I, I threw him everywhere ranking wise. I threw him as high as six and I threw him as low as 14. Like I didn't know where to put him. And my thing is this. <sighs> this could all... <laughs> I mean, I know he's got arthritis, but I feel like this could this could all just be bullshit, right? Like, I feel like it's possible that he's just fine. Like, I don't really know what else to say about it. I think it's possible that Todd Gurley is just fine. I think that they're going to limit his snaps in preseason, but they always have. I don't think the guy's ever played in a preseason, aside from his rookie year, maybe his second year. But last year, he didn't touch the field. I just think it's incredibly possible that Todd Gurley is just fine. I just don't know what to say about it. They're they're going to maybe plan a limited snaps. But again, going back to some of the stuff we said earlier, if Todd Gurley gets 15 to 20 touches a game, he's still going to be a fine fantasy option. I mean, the only problem with Gurley is that Henderson goes so high, so it's hard to really mix and match these guys. But Scott, do you kind of get what I'm saying here? Is it completely possible that Gurley's just fine and we're all just kind of blowing it up after just three games last year? I think... Gurley's one of the guys that he's hard to peg exactly where to rank him and where to draft him. And I think one of the things that I look at in particular is 
you're talking about a guy who's finished as a running back one and you look at his production even last year up until the point in time that he got hurt and for me ranking him where we have him I have him at nine I think that is baking in the risk and and worrying about the injury is is putting him there and you're getting that injury discount there by by having him that late if you draft him and look at the upside, you're, you're talking about a running back one upside. So there's not a lot of players that you can say, look, I, I think this guy has a chance of finish, finishing as a, an RB1. So I think you take that chance. If you're worried about it, you get a guy like Darrell Henderson later on in the draft. And if he pans out, you're sitting pretty with whoever your first round pick was who can also probably have the upside of being a running back one and, and Todd Gurley. So I'm comfortable with with Gurley. I think you're you're getting the value with the the injury risk baked in, and and like Andrew said, it, it could be complete bullshit at this point in time. Um, I mean, look, there's guys, and, and in my opinion, you start talking about some of these knee injuries. He didn't have an ACL surgery, you know, like it, it's not like he's been out for nine months dealing with that and you have to worry about the following year. So arthritis, I, I think they'll they'll manage to to deal with it. I think last last year when it popped up, I think the, the coaching staff and the training staff were, were trying to figure out what was best for him, whether it was rest or, or whatnot. I have to think that over the offseason since last year's ended that the training staff has has a plan in place on on how to manage this this knee and going forward. And I think just point blank, the Rams have too much money invested in him not to not to play him the right way and get use out of him. Yeah, let's I mean, let's hope so. I mean, we're looking to see week 14. He took 11 carries, 15, 12 carries divisional playoffs. He took 16. Then in the conference championships, he only took four. And then the Super Bowl, he only took 10. So seeing as him being just fine and then not getting a lot of reps in one of the biggest games of your career, I, I have a hard I have a hard time seeing that. Keep in but... mind, keep in mind that divisional game. It was 16 carries, but he ran the ball for 120 yards. He scored a touchdown. He looked fine. Right, but then the next two games, the uh, conference championship and the Super Bowl, he's he's back down. There's uh... no, of course, no, of course. But I'm just <sighs> saying, I, I'm just trying to add some clarity to maybe it's just bullshit. I mean, again, he could have been hurting. He took his time off. He shows up in the divisional game. He looks fine. Then he comes back in the next two weeks, and he looks awful. And I guess I'll say three weeks because you got that break between the Super Bowl, uh, between the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl. So you have that in mind. And I think, look, he could have been hurt at the end of the year, but like, are we going to look at the end of last year and say, damn, like, let's not draft Todd Gurley at all until the, the end of the third round? Like, I think it, it just could be bullshit. I, I, I just... I'm not saying it isn't. I mean, that's why I have him ranked where you guys do. I mean, we all have him in the same range, so I think we all are arguing it, but we all kind of agree to a sense. I think, you, like Scott said, you're taking him at this discount already. You're taking him as running back 9 or 10 because you're just incorporating the injury, but I'm just saying I think it's incredibly possible that it's all just BS and he's going to be fine, and you're going to see him get 15 touches, and you're going to see him score 12-plus touchdowns, and he's going to be a top 10 running back, maybe top 5 even. I hope so. I like Gurley, so you know, we'll we we shall see. We shall see. So moving on, we got James Connor. 
James Conner looked really good last year in relief of Le'Veon Bell. Um, fell off towards the end of the season. We talked about Jalen Samuels there a little bit. The uh, Pittsburgh Steelers have actually talked about potentially using two running back sets. How do we feel about James Conner this season? I mean, we've got him ranked inside the top 10. There's no Antonio Brown there anymore, but they got Juju Smith-Schuster. Do we see James Conner being able to put up the same numbers as he put? Do we see him having a repeat performance as last year? Scott, let's start with you. I think he's being priced accurately. Um, I have some concerns about James Conner, and I I think that was brought up a little bit more with Jalen Samuels. I think Jalen Samuels brings a skill set to where he can kind of take away some of that uh, passing game work that uh, James Conner got last year. Look, James Conner, we all know the story, recovering and beating cancer. Everybody was rooting for him. What he did last year, taking over for Le'Veon Bell, was spectacular. Only Ezekiel Elliott, Ty Gurley, and Saquon Barkley. You know, I had more touches than him as far as running back go on a, on a per game basis. So, I, I think James Conner is a nice back here in this top ten range. Um, my concerns is 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 it going to be more of a split? There's been some words coming out of camp. I, I think Jalen Samuels is a little bit more of a talent than what some other people are giving him credit for. So. That's just uh, where I kind of stand on him. I, I like the the other guys that we have here ranked ahead of him a lot more. And look, when, when we're getting into this area of the top guys right here, you're really nitpicking because you're starting to talk about some of the elite guys. So James Conner operates in that, that Pittsburgh Steelers offense and uh, Antonio Brown's going. So there are some question marks as to how that offense is going to operate without A.B., but with that being said, I mean, James Conner's right here in that, in that top 10 mix. So I don't think you can really hate on the guy too much for what he's done and, and what he can possibly do in this upcoming year. I think the key here with Conner is going to be what is the identity of the offense? Because I just mentioned how I was playing with Gurley in my rankings. When we first put these rankings in, I had Conner actually as a kind of a, I guess breakout's not the right word, but I guess just a a blow up as you will. I think I had Connors by running back five. I just was thinking that maybe we would see the offensive identity change in Pittsburgh. We'd see more of a, a leaning on the run game, which I think that would cater more to Connor because he's their best running back in my opinion. Now, again, Jalen Samuels is going to be a better, is going to be a better running back in the terms of being a passer, being a pass catcher. So that kind of just caused me to move Connor down. But look, I, I think, Connor is one of the safer guys, especially in standard leagues. I think in standard leagues, Connor's a great value. I think you look at guys in this range, um, like, um, I mean, I would still take Nick Chubb above him in standard, but someone like Le'Veon Bell in standard, I'd honestly flirt with taking Connor ahead of him. Uh, so I just, I, I like Connor's upside as a runner. I'm just a little worried about, like, uh, Scott made a lot of great points for Jalen Samuels. So a little worried about Connor's production in the passing game um, I'm hoping that he can still be someone who can catch 60 balls I think that's possible but look I think it's just going to be interesting to see how Pittsburgh changes that offense and I think that's why I think he's perfect really keeping that eight range I think that's kind of where he's cemented in and I think there's a running back that we have me and Scott have above him who we'll talk about next who I think like this is the range you're going to take Connor I wouldn't take him before Chubb um and, and I really wouldn't take him before Gurley. I mean, I wouldn't take him after Gurley. So I think Connor's just one of those guys who's just cemented in this role. And I think you can really pencil him in for a thousand yards rushing and 55 catches. 
So moving on to that next guy, we've got Dalvin Cook. Andrew, you have him at seven. I have him at 12. And Scott, you have him at seven. I'm going to have a hard time. I'm going to have a hard time trusting Dalvin Cook. I mean, the injuries, he hasn't been able to stay on the field for me to trust him. Um, Now, the one exciting thing I do see as far as what's going on there in Minnesota is the fact that they do have Gary Kubiak coming in as the offensive coordinator. And my question is, is how will Dalvin Cook adapt to that um, to the uh, zone running game that Gary Kubiak is going to bring in? Um, one of the things I've heard is that Alexander Madison actually fits that scheme better, but we're not going to see Madison over Cook here. I mean, Cook's definitely the more talented of players. My concern is definitely it's just going to be the injury, like, can this guy stay on the field? That just makes me so nervous when I'm taking a guy in this range. So I'll let you guys take over and try to convince me to, to try to take him. I don't know if you can, but we'll see. Scott, let's start with you. Look, Dalvin Cook's one of the guys that I'm targeting in almost every draft there in that second round. It's kind of a toss-up between him and Juju as to, to who I want more in the second round early if I'm drafting late. I think, you know, we talked about the Gary Kubiak effect, uh, that that whole Shanahan zone read offense. I think it actually fits Cook's ability perfect. And everything that Minnesota's done shows that they're kind of dedicated towards Cook. I don't have an issue with with Madison. Um, and if somebody is concerned about Madison, he's one of the cheapest, cheapest handcuffs that you can get. He's going off the board at like pick 149, running back 54. So... He, he's he's back there, and you can go ahead and get him if you're concerned about Cook. I think you look at the draft. They drafted uh, Bradbury out of NC State, and he's clearly the best center in the draft. So they've made adjustments to that offensive line. And like it or not, Zimmer wants to run the ball. Part of the reason why DiFilippo left and, and was because he was bumping heads with Zimmer. He wanted to do different things. I think you're going to see a lot of running the ball there in Minnesota. I think you look at what Cook did late in the year and and saw once he got healthy how he looked. And look, the numbers are there. Like when he's on the field, he can get some explosive plays. And I I think he's going to catch the ball as well. I just don't view Madison as much of a much of a threat towards Dalvin Cook's production. I think Madison will get some, you know, vulture a a touchdown here or there away from the goal line and and be used basically just to keep Dalvin Cook healthy. So I think he'll kind of move into that Latavius Murray role that that they had last year in Minnesota. But I think Dalvin Cook's definitely on the verge of a breakout this year. I I think he stays healthy. He's going to be one of those guys that's up there within the top five running backs. I couldn't agree more. I think people really need to just keep in mind, you know, for starters, know your draft room, know who you're drafting with, know what site you're using, you know, how the rankings stack up. But look, that is more of a reason to gamble on these guys. So you look at a Damian Williams, you look at a Dalvin Cook. When you can get their handcuffed for next to nothing, just draft them. Go for it. And I think you look at what Dalvin Cook did in those 10 games last year. He caught 40 balls. He ran for 600 yards. He averaged almost five yards carry. Dalvin Cook is an incredibly talented running back. The only thing I'm concerned is kind of I share Kilby's sentiment and maybe Scott's as well. I'm just worried that that hamstring can stay healthy. You know, that was the injury that he dealt with last year, and that was something that he had never dealt with before. So I think that's a positive. You look at a Leonard Fournette. Leonard dealt with some groin and hamstring issues in high school. He dealt with it at LSU, and he's dealing with it now. So I think you look at someone like that, and you're really concerned but then you look at a Dalvin Cook, who's only had a hamstring injury once, and he tore an ACL 
on the uh, you know last year in his rookie year and an ACL. I mean, it's not nothing, but ACL injuries are so easy to come back from nowadays that ACLs really have been diminished. So, I, I look, I, I'm confident that if Dalvin Cook stays on the field, he's going to be an amazing talent. I think this is someone who has the potential to be running back one. And I think in that offense, you have Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, Kyle Rudolph, Irv, Irv Smith might play into a little bit. You have a really good passing game, and I think you really can't sell out uh, for the run if you're a defense going up against the Vikings. So... I think everything really has set up for Dalvin Cook to be a top running back if he can stay on the field. Yeah, and I think you look at, at last year, once they did fire John Filippo over the last three weeks, Dalvin, Dalvin Cook was the running back seven. So that's right there where I have him ranked. Uh, I think Gary Kubiak coming on makes a big difference. So I'm interested in, in, in trying to get him in as many drafts as I can. I'm, I'm all on board with Dalvin Cook this year, and he's one of the guys I'm definitely targeting. All right, sweet. I, I don't I don't know if I can bring myself to do it, but if I have to, I'll take you guys' advice because I do like Kubiak. I do like running backs that are running in that scheme. So we shall see. Next, we've got Nick Chubb. This is a guy I'm really excited about here. Now, I noticed before we had him, and this is something that worried me. I'm not a superstitious guy, but we all had him ranked at six. Uh, we had him at six, six, six across the board. So I'm kind of glad you changed it to drop them down a little bit, Scott, just to get that that superstition off my mind there. I really like Nick Chubb. I'm excited to see this team this year. Um, I think uh, there's going to be a lot of points scored here. You're going to get you know, Odell Beckham Jr. getting the ball down the field. I think Nick Chubb's going to have a lot of opportunities to run that ball into the end zone. So, Scott, since you dropped him down a little bit, I'm kind of interested as to why that is. Because you moved up Le'Veon Bell and you dropped Nick Chubb a couple spots. What happened there? I think when you just look at it, you start looking at the passing pedigree. And I think all the players that we have kind of ranked above Nick Chubb, at least in in, in my space, is that I, I think the other guys just can catch the ball better. So once... Once late in the season, you know, if if Kareem Hunt comes, I I definitely think Kareem Hunt would would take away a little bit in the, the passing role. But I think that's where where Nick Chubb is probably the weakest when we start talking about some of these top tier running backs. When you get to the Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, and even Ezekiel Elliott, I think catches the ball better than Nick Chubb. So that's the only thing. Um, I, I think Le'Veon's going to get his touches. He's looking great in camp right now, and and to me, that's that's it's you're just kind of you know picking at straws here as to to why I, I love Nick Chubb I don't have anything really bad to say I just think some of these other guys catch the ball a little bit better he's going to be in a great offense there in Cleveland if if Cleveland does anything close to what the hype that they've been getting it, it should be a fun year for Nick Chubb what do you think Andrew any thoughts here yeah I think it's really uh this is uh I mean aside from Ha ha ha, Derrick Henry. This is one of the um, the real big differences between PPR and standard. Personally, this may be kind of crazy. I don't know. I think in a standard league, I'd probably take Chubb third, uh, actually fourth at running back. I, well, I know third at running back because I'm, I'm I don't know what the hell's going on with Zeke, but I think in a stand, I think Chubb's going to run the hell out of the ball. The dude is a phenomenal runner. He's he's great down down the field and. I'm just super excited about his potential in this offense. I think, again, this is an offense who can score a lot of points. This is an offense who's going to give him opportunities. And I'm not really scared off by Hilliard. Duke Johnson's out the way. He doesn't have Hunt to deal with. I think the first 10 weeks of the season, you're looking at a running back who could 
who could be RB1, I think, in the first 10 weeks. I think Nick Chubb's got a lot of potential. Um, I just super excited to draft him. I really don't have much to say, um, except I think this, I don't think there's going to be a sophomore slump. I think you can, you can trust Nick Chubb and I would jump all over him. And um, in the second round, I, I think no doubt, get you some Nick Chubb, get all the Nick Chubb if you can. <laughs> well, here's an interesting one. Zeke Elliott has dropped to sixth in our That's rankings. That's because of me. Yes. Yes. No, I, I'm definitely <laughs> looking at it right now. So I have him at second overall. I haven't dropped him at all. Scott, has moved him to fourth, and you dropped him to a whopping 13. Andrew, I'm still, I don't have nothing else to say. I'm just going to hand it over to you. Well, yeah, so well, he, he, let, me, let me start off right here. Um, we talked about the Melvin Gordon thing. Uh, or Kilby, for example, are you – you dropped Melvin Gordon because of the Instagram post, so you're thinking that – are we just playing off of the fact that Melvin has been more – vocal to the media in the sense that he's going to sit out is that why we have the difference of opinion between melvin and and zeke i think it comes down to more isn't there a big difference between uh, how it affects their free agency outlook um it does it does melvin's got to be back for week 10 which he'd be he'd be insane if he didn't show up for week 10 um zeke needs to be there day one right We'll see. This is why I moved Zeke down. Zeke had to be there by August 6th. August 6th would give him a full year this year of accrued free agency, and he didn't show up August 6th. So because Zeke didn't show up August 6th, he's he's treading on some dangerous waters. I'm going to be honest and say I do not know the next exact date, but I do know August 6th would have gotten him that accrued year of league time so that next year he could have been an unrestricted free agent. So I guess it plays to the fact that him not showing up for August 6th is maybe him thinking, I don't need an extra year of free agency because maybe I'm going to get this contract worked out. But my, I'm just going off the basis of I know what it felt like last year to pick first, second, third overall. I picked first overall and had Le'Veon Bell. It, it, it felt like shit, man. It felt like crap. People still told me not to take him. I took him anyway because I was like, okay, he'll get there eventually. He'll, he'll show up halfway through the year. He'll get his – you know, he just never showed up. So – while I, while my gut is saying Zeke is going to get this worked out, we are we are doing these rankings on August twelfth, and right now, if I'm drafting, I'm not taking Zeke. I'm just not. It's just it kind of goes down to that. I mean, I know you guys are obviously more confident that he's going to get it worked out, but I I just man, I felt that shit last year. I felt not having Zeke and I mean not having Bell, and I just. I just, like Scott said, I think if you miss on one of your first three picks, you have a good chance of really not winning anything. So I'm just afraid to risk it. That's why I have him 13th overall. I think, again, that's what I was saying. That that's where I'm willing to gamble on drafting him. But, a good, again, another benefit of Zeke is you can get Tony Pollard for free. So, you know, Scott, any comment? So, full disclaimer, if Zeke was, like, in camp right now, he would be my my running back one, you know, over the last two years. Only Le'Veon Bell and Alvin Kamara have outproduced them on a points-per-game basis. Uh, I think that offense is going to move the ball a lot more. Last year, Zeke was a little bit underwhelming as far as 
his work around the goal line. He should have actually been projected for more touches based upon the amount of yards and touches that he had. So I would expect some some positive regression for Zeke this year as far as uh, everything goes in the, the touchdown department, which I think kind of boosts him up to that that running back one discussion. I move him down three three spots because there is concern about him, you know, coming into camp. I have less concern about him missing games than I do with Melvin Gordon. I think eventually this contract gets worked out. You talked about the August 6th date and, and trying to accrue an extra year towards free agency. I don't think he has that date in mind because the full intent on, on his whole holdout is to get an extension with Cowboys and not to make it into free agency. So I, I think when it comes down to it with Jerry Jones and his Cowboy team, they have playoff aspirations and, and possibly some Super Bowl aspirations in this team and is built around the offense offensive line and Zeke. Tony Pollard's a nice piece. There's been some some fluff pieces that he's got some Alvin Kamara-like talent, but he was never been a, a featured uh, running back. He actually played more wide receiver in, in college than he did running back. So I, I just think when it comes down to it, Zeke gets in camp by week one. He'll, he'll be there and ready to play. Um, I have him down at four underneath Barkley. Kamara and Christian McCaffrey for that reason because he's not in camp right now. Um, that being said, if I'm drafting fourth and Zeke's still not in camp, I'm going to have some trepidation as to, to whether or not to pull that trigger over a guy like David Johnson or even you know some of these other receivers. So I, I do have some concern. I, I don't want to make that mistake and getting that Le'Veon Bell trick bag that a lot of people did last year, but I, I Eventually, I think I have more confidence that it gets worked out than when I do with the Melvin Gordon situation. And just for us to clarify, and this goes to people listening and uh, Kilby, so this is kind of what how it's working out. So, so he missed that August sixth ruling and ruling and uh, or that date. And like Scott said, it's probably because he wants to be a cowboy. He he doesn't plan to hit for agency. But the thing now is, Zeke has to show up for the last eight games of the year to get credit for his contract this year. So if he wants to get this is a contract year and get his get his payment he's got to show up for the last eight games so and i think that's possible i think that's possible zeke could still want a contract with dallas but at the same time still be willing to sit out eight games i think that's completely possible i mean you have jerry jones talking about tony pollard carrying this offense i mean i think it's a lot of back and forth on both sides we we were you gotta think we were, were we are just 10 days removed from insiders allegedly in that Cowboys organization saying they're nowhere close. So I think I, I, I just, I, I, I'm going to keep them at 13 until I see more. It is a little worrisome, especially when you've got Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper both vying for new contracts as well. And then, you know, Dak came out wanting $40 million, which I know Scott has some very choice words on that. I don't, I don't know if you want to touch on that right now since we're talking about running backs, but if you want to, I'll leave it open to you. I, I just think it's, absolutely retarded if Dak Prescott or almost any other quarterback thinks they're worth $40 million right now. All right. Aaron Rodgers is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. No said. Moving on to the guy who broke Andrew's heart last year. We've got Le'Veon Bell at number five. Andrew, you have him ranked at fifth. I have him ranked at seventh. Scott, you have him ranked at sixth. I think the reason I have him the lowest is mainly I'm looking at that offensive line, and I hate Adam Gase. So, <laughs> um, 
you, you know how, well, you, yeah, you know how it is. I mean, if if you get on Adam Gase's bad side, you're on his bad side. He puts you in the corner. So, um, not much else I can say there. I I just one, I'm not big on that offensive line. So it'll be very interesting to see how Le'Veon Bell runs uh, in that particular offense. I mean, he's he's a great running back. We all know that. But I mean, behind that Pittsburgh line, he's always had that time to be patient and find those open holes and go. And then I'm not so sure he's going to be able to do that in New York. So I'm going to pass it over to you, Andrew, since you're the highest on him and uh, see what you think. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's more of a PPR play. I think Le'Veon's, you know, I, I think he's, I mean, look, I held that sentiment last year, you know, heading into last year, I still believed that he was the best running back in football uh, from a, from a talent standpoint. I think my opinions changed. I think it'd be impossible to say Saquon does not look like the best talent, most talented running back in football right now, but that's not to say Le'Veon is talented. The thing that is, is really important here and take this into consideration. Le'Veon missed the open portion of, of, of training camp and Adam Gase made this comment. And while Adam Gase looks like he's drugged up half the time, I, I think he was true in saying it hurt the team because Le'Veon Bell is an interesting runner. I mean, he's this patient guy. And, you know, for offensive linemen, they have to learn to block for that guy. They have to learn that while they're blocking, while they're pulling to the left, Le'Veon could be going to the right. I mean, there's a lot going into that offensive line and how Le'Veon runs. And he didn't get a lot of work with that offensive line. And I'm just, that's a little bit cause for concern. But I think Le'Veon is fair to put him as kind of RB5. I think that the PPR production is going to be there. Um, you know, my only true concern is, like you said, maybe Adam Gase decided to pop some pills before the game. His eyes are all wide. He's sniffing salts, and he leaves Le'Veon in for ten touches. I mean, I don't know. I, Adam Gase has has had a history, it seems like, to just screw running backs over. So I don't know. I, I'm a little worried about it, but I think five and PPR is the fair place to to put him because I think he's got way more catch upside than really anybody uh anybody behind him in in fantasy football aside from your james white and stuff but i'm not really counting them in in that range yeah i actually think Le'Veon bell is going to be rejuvenated after having a year off i'm not the biggest adam gase fan but even talking about that jay ajayi ran for 1272 yards in an adam gase offense there in miami that had a shitty offensive line so even the offensive line concerns here in in new york don't concern me as much I think it's all about volume with Le'Veon Bell. I think Le'Veon Bell is going to get the volume. Is he going to have some some down games? Yeah, you're not going to see the same type of production you saw in Pittsburgh with a, a lot better offensive line and Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown moving the ball down. I think some of the scoring opportunities will be down as far as the touchdown department goes. But overall, I think Le'Veon's still going to get his touches. He's still going to catch balls. I think he's still going to get yardage. You know, I, I think he's he's priced appropriately the guys we have above them are all attached to to better offenses with the exception of probably Saquon who's in about the same boat as what Le'Veon is and and let's face it Saquon's a younger more athletic Le'Veon Bell at this point in time so I I think where where we're pricing them is appropriate um you know I I think when it comes down to it you, you you get what you pay for with Le'Veon Bell you, you have the proper expectations with him there in in, in New York and we're going to see what happens. I, I don't have too much concern about Adam Gase, even though I'm not a huge fan. Like I said, CNJ Ajayi do what he did in, in Miami under Adam Gase. 
alleviate some of those concerns. So I, I think Gase will adjust the offense towards uh, towards Bell the way he needs to. And if Sam Darnold does what some people think he'll do, then everything should be great. Moving on, we've got David Johnson at number four. Andrew has him ranked at four. I do too. Scott has him at five. This is a guy that I was looking at as potentially the number one running back overall. I came to my senses because one, when you when you're taking a guy that high, I want someone more reliable. So I can't take him number one over at all because I don't know what to expect from that Cliff Kingsbury offense. I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see a coach get in there and put David Johnson in situations that fit his skill set, which is getting him out into space. So I mean, the guy was in one of the most putrid offenses we've seen in a long time last season in Arizona, and he still found his way into the top 10, finishing as the ninth running back overall. So what do you guys think? Uh, Scott, what's your thoughts on David Johnson here? Look, when it comes to David Johnson, it's all about the Cliff Kingsbury effect. I I think last year, David Johnson was the most misutilized piece in fantasy football just across the board. Um, that offense was mismanaged from the top down, and I think you're going to see something different with Cliff Kingsbury. When you start talking about his teams that he coached at Texas Tech, it was all about pace, and I think that's the big thing that's going to be with Arizona. They're going to run a bunch of plays this year. You know, when Cliff Kingsbury was at Texas Tech, his teams ranked second, first, tenth, and fourth in plays per game. You know, over over the college football season, and Arizona was 31st last year. So. I think that's going to be the big change. You have Kyler Murray coming in, who is heads and shoulders above what Rosen is. And I think you're going to see uh, them move the ball a lot better than what they did. And, you know, just last year they were talking about David Johnson having a 100 reception season, having 1,000 yards and 1,000 yards. I I think that's viable this year. I I think it's lofty still, but I I think David Johnson could definitely have a 2,000 total yard season, and there's not a lot of guys that you can say that about. So I'm all on board with David Johnson. I'm comfortable getting him as the fifth running back, uh, you know, provided that Zeke comes back. So I'm all in. So if he's there and I'm drafting in the proper position, I have no quarrels taking uh, David Johnson. You know, I, th- I think what we saw out of DJ in 2016 was was remarkable. It was one of the better years we've seen from a running back in the history of the NFL. If you really look at it, I mean, the guy scored 20 touchdowns, totaled uh, over 2,000 total yards. I mean, the guy was awesome. I, th- I think to discount him after last year is rough. I mean, the guy still ran for almost 1,000 yards in an offense that really, like, it was ran by a child almost. I, I mean, the Arizona offense was horrendous there was no passing game I think you bring in Kyler Murray you bring in an exciting quarterback you change up the offense you're running an offense that DJ ran in college he's voiced his pleasure with Cliff Kingsbury and how he's going to run this offense DJ made the comments about how he loves playing out of the shotgun in college he he loved the read option I think you are building an offense around Kyler Murray but at the same time you're not forgetting DJ who has been the the motor for that offense the last three years and or I guess two years if you're including you know the the whole season he missed but DJ is an incredible incredible talent I think I think obviously he's got RB one upside and I think someone on draft day I think you know it happened to me it's possible that DJ can fall in drafts I mean this is someone you could get towards the end of the first round I've seen it happen I I saw him fall today to to pick five, uh, which I guess is kind of where he's going to go. But I've, I've seen him fall nine. I've seen him fall 10. I mean, 
just uh, I'd definitely be interested in just pulling the trigger on DJ. Don't have any concerns with uh, how last year went. So moving on, we're going to talk about Saquon Barkley, who actually finished as the number one running back overall last season. Incredible rookie season out of this guy. We've got him third overall amongst the three of us. I'm the lowest on him at five. My biggest concern here with Saquon Saquon Barkley is just what's happened to that offense overall. What's going on with that entire organization is really concerning to me. Uh, One of the things that I looked at as far as uh, stats go, uh, weeks 1 through 13, he had OBJ on the field, which helps keep a lot of guys out of the box. The defense had to focus on him. He was averaging 23.2 points per game. Then when OBJ went out, he was only averaging 19.3. Now that doesn't that that may not sound like a lot, but considering you don't have that type of receiver in that offense anymore, if you minus out four points per game throughout, he ends up finishing as the number five running back last season without OBJ. So that's kind of why I dropped him down because you don't have OBJ there. I don't really know who they're going to depend on at wide receiver. So I see them stacking the box on this guy. I mean, he's got a lot of talent, but there's only so much talent that can overcome what's what defenses are going to do when they target him. Uh, I'm interested to see if you guys can convince me to take him a little higher. Um, Andrew, let's start with you. When you look at it last year, I mean, you know, you, you comment on their offense. Last year, Saquon and Christian McCaffrey both finished at the top of in PPR leagues at the running back position, and both their offenses finished in the middle of the pack in points per game, and they finished kind of scatterbrained. I know Carolina was in the top 10 in total yardage, but they weren't scoring, and uh, New York was kind of at the bottom. But, I mean, look, I think you, you know, in a PPR league and then the type of running backs that those two are, especially Saquon, those are guys who can do fine in bad offenses. I mean, really, especially in a PPR league, they're going to be fine. I, I really wouldn't be scared off by their offense really stinking. I mean, the offense sucks. Dave Gettleman is, is incredibly stupid. But I just I don't think that's a reason to put Saquon in, as running back five. I, I, I'm shocked by that um, kind of personally. I just I think it's such a talented back, and that's still going to be an offense who's going to be able to move the football, you know, like it or not, I think. Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, and Golden Tate can at least move the ball a little bit. So I just, I'd, I'd be shocked to see Saquon not put up a top five year at the running back position. Um, and I'd even honestly be shocked if he wasn't a top three running back. I think the PPR ceiling is just is through the roof. I mean, I just, I don't see a world where Saquon does not put up. Now, of course, regression is going to come for a lot of players, but also regression is going to come for some people who are second-year players. But at the same time, I just, uh, with that mind, I still just, he just, he looked too damn good to to think that he's going to regress at all. Yeah, I think when it comes down to Saquon Barkley and even these these next two guys, is that you're, you're really getting down to personal preference. And for me, I just like the other offenses more than than the one that Saquon's going to be attached to. I, I think OBJ leaving and the wide receiver woes that they're they're having there in New York just means that even more receptions are going to be funneled through Saquon. I mean, last year he had 91 receptions, over 700 yards receiving. 
I think you're going to see more of the same. I just have concerns that they're going to have issues back and forth between letting go of that Eli Manning era and starting the Daniel Jones era. With that being said, the wide receiver issues that they're having, I just think he's going to have less scoring opportunities than than what an Alva Kamara would or even a Christian McCaffrey. Um, there's no competition really there for, for carries. So with all of that, maybe more focus being put on Saquon Barkley from from defenses how much of a pounding is he going to take and can he can he maintain uh, and, and stay healthy throughout all of the touches that he's going to get so that's the only issues that I have I mean you're really really squinting to try to find something wrong with Saquon Barkley here in this range exactly I mean I don't see anything wrong with Saquon Barkley I just see everything wrong with that organization right now and um you know, I just, I just, I just, I just wonder how many scoring opportunities he's going to get. I want to see how many times that they're going to be able to sustain offensive drives. I just, I just feel like that's going to really hinder his production. That's why I dropped him so low. I think you have to look at him, and you have to keep in mind this. And I mean, I know it's hard to convince people when you think, but Saquon's the type of player who you say, oh, "I wonder how many scoring opportunities he's going to get." The dude's going to create five scoring opportunities out of nothing. I mean, the dude is a freak talent. It kind of goes to what Scott was saying. It kind of just comes down to personal preference because it's really hard to nitpick Saquon, but he's the type of talent who can create scoring opportunities out of nothing, nothing, especially for a really crappy offense. So here's where we get to have a lot of fun, our top two guys. So Alvin Kamara comes in at number two. Andrew, you have him at one. Scott, you have him at two, and I have him at three. So, Andrew, let's go ahead and hear it. Why do you have Alvin Kamara as your number one running back? Um, I don't know if it's mainly because I felt so bad because I was just laughing at everybody taking him so high last year. Um, I was just like, man, there's no way this dude can repeat, and he came out and he repeated it. Uh, he's a freak talent. I- I'm almost amazed at the things he can do, especially running the football. He is one of the most... I just I try to think of a running back to compare him to, and I really have trouble with it. He's one of the more slippery guys I've seen. I feel like he's so hard to tackle. He's strong. He can run between the tackles incredibly well. I, at first, after his rookie year, I thought it was a fluke, but I guess not. I mean, the guy's just that talented. So when it comes to Alvin, Alvin is this. So that offense is going to be insane. I mean, let's be honest. The offense is going to be incredible. And kind of going back to Latavius Murray, I think Latavius Murray is going to have an awesome year. I think... Bold prediction, I think it's totally possible he could have a top 12 year. Put that out the window, and the fact of the matter is, yes, Sean Payton says he's not going to give Alvin more work. The fact of the matter is, he might have to give Alvin more work. Alvin might have to see a few more touches a game, and seeing, even if it comes down to three or four touches a game, that's going to add up to to, to 16 times three. It's going to be, what is that, 32? It's going to be 48 more touches over the course of a full year. I think Kamara's got a ceiling a ceiling of a hundred plus catches. I think the guy can run for a thousand this year and I think he scored 18 touchdowns. I think he can score more than that. I don't see a reason for him not to be just the number one focal point of this offense. I think you look last year and you really saw a split between AK and MT. Then you saw Mark Ingram came back. They fed Ingram a lot. So you kind of had this, this convolution of, of weapons in that offense. Now Ingram's gone, and they're not going to focus on Ingram. It's going to be Kamara and MT. Now you have Jared Cook. That's where my concern lies with Alvin Kamara is how much of a concern is Jared Cook going to be. But again, it just comes down to personal preference. I just think that in PPR, 
I think Alvin is is just an awesome player. I think he's above McCaffrey, and we'll we'll touch on McCaffrey next. And you know, I can save my reservations for that. But I just think he's a safer player than McCaffrey. I think he's in a better offense. I think he's in an offense that that uses him pretty much in really every play. I think even you throw Taysom Hill in there, they're running read options to Alvin. You have Drew in there. You have you know, four guys wide, I think you still have Alvin on the field. I think they use Alvin a lot, and I think he's going to be someone who's going to be the focal point of the best offense in football, and he he's just, he's a do-it-all. He's a do-it-all running back. I just, I don't have really much more to say, except I think he can exceed expectations of what he did last year. Scott? Yeah, I mean, I can't argue with anything that Andrew's saying. I, I, Alvin Kamara is one of the premier backs in the league, and, and he's going to do what he's he's, he's done. I, I think he's one of the most fluid backs I've ever seen, the way he just glides through. It's incredible. He, he, it's like his athleticism is effortless, even though he's not the most explosive guy. He, he just makes it look so smooth compared to other running backs. For me, the big difference between him and, and McCaffrey, the reason why I kind of lean a little bit towards McCaffrey is, like it or not, Kamara's got a little bit of competition there for touches in, in Latavius Murray. So I, I think Latavius Murray can steal some of the goal on work. With that being said, there's still a lot of opportunity to go around. Um, I just tend to lean a little bit towards McCaffrey because I like North Turner. North Turner go back towards the, the the Cowboy offense, you know, back in the day when Emmett Smith was putting up, you know, huge games. That was the big reason why McCaffrey was supposed to take such a jump last year. You saw it come to fruition, and, and lo and behold, McCaffrey's there. But both of these guys produce as a running back one, and if you took away their rushing value they'd still be wide receiver twos. So they're about as safe as you can get. They have everything you need from a three down back. And, uh, you know, I just, I think you can't go wrong with either one here. So it's really just personal preference. Um, Andrew's taking a little bit of a homer pick because he's down here from New Orleans. So yeah, That's not true. I, I think that's what it is. So <laughs> he, he just wanted, he just wanted to go ahead. And, and then on Kilby's side, Kilby's putting McCaffrey because he's from North Carolina. So I, I'm the one in the middle breaking the tie, and I want McCaffrey. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to have to step in there and say that's not true. <clears throat> I honestly hope Andrew's right because I, I was all over Alvin Kamara's rookie season, took him 19th overall in my keeper league. So I get him in the 15th round this year. If he puts up number one running back season, I'm just going to do a little little dance. Um. But moving on to Christian McCaffrey, our our guy here at number one overall. Andrew has him at three. Scott and I both agree here at number one. McCaffrey had an absolutely amazing season last season. No one believed that he was going to be able to take on that workhorse role in that Carolina offense. But if anyone knew anything about Norv Turner and his history with running backs, you got you know Emmett Smith, and then down in San Diego, you had him with Ladanian Tomlinson. You just had to see this perfect storm coming from McCaffrey that North Turner was going to feature this guy and give him everything he could. So this is what I'm looking at with him. I mean, the, he, he caught, let's see, 107 receptions last year. That's insane. Now, I mean, do I see a regression coming? Possibly. I mean, the only thing I see here is whether or not Cam is healthy and that we saw even when he wasn't, that didn't really matter for McCaffrey. So I'm interested, Andrew, you're lower on him than Scott or I. So I'm going to start with you on this one. Um, I think if Cam is not healthy, uh, McCaffrey probably is going to be RB1. 
that that's how I look at it. I look at it like this, and I, I don't know if you've heard this stat or not. In fantasy last year, you know, in weeks one through nine, McCaffrey was on pace to be RB number nine in PPR leagues. And now week nine is when Cam got hurt. That's when Cam's shoulder went whack. And then when Cam's shoulder went whack, McCaffrey's usage went off the charts. After Cam got hurt, McCaffrey saw four games of, of um, double-digit targets, and he caught, I think, eight, nine balls in two of those games. The guy was just getting dump-off, dump-off, dump-offs. He saw a good bit of rushing attempts. Um, I think he had a 20-rush 20, 20 attempt game in there. It's just you saw McCaffrey's usage shoot up when Cam was hurt. When Cam was hurt, McCaffrey did a lot of the backpacking. So I'm concerned that a healthy Cam is going to kind of knock McCaffrey down a piece. I think we, we have the hype for DJ Moore. We're getting some Curtis Samuel hype, McCaffrey hype. I think it's I, – I just – I know we have some players in different offenses ranked in that general vicinity. I know we have – like, for example, we have Michael Thomas kind of around that receiver number five, and we have – I have Kamara one, but regardless, you guys have Kamara two and three. I mean, you have them right there. So we know that that offense is good enough to support those guys. Is the Panthers offense good enough to support – DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Christian McCaffrey. And I know this is like a kind of a maybe not a hot take, but it's just an interesting way of looking at it. I just I think a healthy cam is going to spread the ball around a little bit. I think DJ Moore can be a really good wide receiver. And I think to believe that McCaffrey is going to catch 110 passes and run for over a thousand again. I just don't know. I just don't know if that's possible. I think Cam's going to get his in the passing game. Cam's going to get his in the running game. So I think if Cam is healthy, I think that paves the way for McCaffrey not to get used as much. No, we did get Ron, Rier, Ron Rivera last week saying that they want to use McCaffrey on a touch-wise, touch-wise from last year about the same, but they want him on the field less. Um, so I don't know. I'm just, I'm a little concerned about his usage being as high as it was last year just because of Cam's injury. So that's kind of why I have him at three. But again, it's it's really just, it's preference at this point. I think McCaffrey's a freak. I think I think he's one of the rarest talents in the NFL. I think, again, like Duke Johnson, I think he's a way better Duke Johnson. Like, he's someone who could be a starting slot receiver for basically anybody. I think McCaffrey's a freak. But uh, do you guys kind of understand where I'm coming from? Do, do you think it's interesting that McCaffrey really saw his usage and his production go up after Cam got hurt? I think it's interesting, and it, you would definitely see. But that's what you would expect a good offensive coordinator to do is make adjustments around a player's weakness. I think, you know, when Cam got hurt, they started having the shoulder issues. You're going to see more checkdowns. And that, that was one of the things that was concerning about Cam going in is that historically he didn't check down to, to the running backs very much. My biggest concern for Christian McCaffrey going into 2019 is that he put on some weight and put on some muscle over the, the offseason. And historically, when players, specifically running backs, have gained weight to try to bulk up, it hasn't gone over some well, so well. It's caused some injuries and some other things. So that would be my only other concern. But when you start looking at it, McCaffrey accounted for like 33% of Carolina's overall offensive production. So I just... I'm all on board. I think he's one of the most unique and yet safest talents in the NFL. And so that's why I have him number one. Well, you just mentioned that a good offensive coordinator adjusts to when his quarterback gets hurt. Well, I mean, is he going to readjust now that his quarterback's not hurt? I mean, right. We had DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, right? So if they and if those guys end up producing well, that's going to mean more scoring opportunities. So I expect the Panthers' offense to be better than what it was last year. And you know, and you start talking about a thousand yards and a hundred catches. 
look, it's a lot to to go ahead and and, and repeat, but McCaffrey's shown that that he can do it, and I think I think you're going to see McCaffrey at, at the top of these lists for the next few years. I think he's just a unique talent in the sense that even if you take away his rushing, he 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 would be a top receiver. You know, so I, I just think he's he's one of those guys. And like you said, it, it's really just personal preference at this point in time. And, and for me, I just think he has less competition for touches. He doesn't have somebody else coming in, taking away touches the way Alvin Kamara does with Latavius Murray. That's specifically why I have him number one. I agree with you there. So that 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 concludes our uh, top running backs here, our running back rankings. We're going to play little game here guys uh if there's a running back outside the top 40 that you have think has great upside who's it gonna be andrew let's start with you like i mentioned on uh our first part of the running backs preview the most talented running back in my opinion in san francisco is matt Breida. now i think matt Breida is i think scott alluded to it um you know in the last episode Breeder really proved his worth last year. I mean, I, I think it was a running joke last year, but I am almost positive that Matt Breeder broke every bone in his body and he tore his ACL, I think. Not really, but I think he did. Like, the dude got hurt and he just kept playing. Like, I remember, you remember that injury in Kansas City. It looked like he, his knee bent backwards and he was on the field like five minutes later. Like, Breeder was on the field a lot. He was just a tremendous talent. The dude, aside from the dude grading, like off the charts, he he's he runs a four four. He's in the 99th percentile in his burst. He he's got a 75th uh, agility score. I'm reading all this from Player Profiler, an excellent you know website that we use. But Brita is just a guy who is incredibly talented. And I think we talk about the cream rising to the top a lot. And I think you look at a Tevin Coleman out there who you know we have ranked higher because I think the opportunity is going to be there for Coleman. I think they're going to give him a lot of the feature back work, but look, one injury from Coleman and Breed has got a clear path. So I think when you're looking at running backs outside the top 40, you're looking at someone who's basically free. I think gambling on Matt Breida is the way to go. I think you have someone who is lining up in the slot and camp. He's, he's out of the shotgun. He's been in single, uh, single back formations. They're basically saying he's doing everything. So I think the days of Jarek McKinnon are gone. I just, I don't see McKinnon having a pathway in this offense. And I think Breida is definitely a fun pick to take outside the top 40 running backs who you can gamble on being a feature guy in the near future. Yeah, I'm actually going to go way deep on my my uh, dive. I think somebody outside of the top 40 that you can get off the waiver wire or you can get with your last pick, it, he's basically free. And that's Chase Edmonds. You know, we talked about the hype for uh, that Arizona Cliff Kingsbury offense. And I, I think Chase Edmonds is uh, vastly underrated right now. Currently going as the running back 78 at pick 253. That's, that's free money right there. I think if Arizona's pace and their offense is running as many plays as we expect, I think there's going to be a standalone role for Chase Edmonds to come in and get 10 to 12 carries and still give you some value on top of what David Johnson does. So, And, and the upside, if David Johnson does happen to get hurt, which David Johnson is an older, older prospect, older running back there, I, I think Chase Edmonds brings – 
a skill set that will fit in nicely with that Arizona offense. And I think he can have some huge upside as somebody that can then come in. You know, he he played well in college. He can come from a small school at Fordham, but 5'9", 205. He's got a 96 percentile agility score. So, you know, I, I, I'm pretty pumped up about him. I, I think, you know, as as a deep late round free guy, I think you can. Uh, I don't think there's too many guys that are going to have better upside for free. I actually really like that one simply because we know how Cliff Kingsbury is planning on running as many offensive plays as he can. There's no way David Johnson can be in there for all of them. He's going to have to be spelled. So Chase is definitely going to get a lot of look there. For me, it's going to be Damian Harris. Um, I like the Matt Breida one but I'm going to go with Damian Harris here with that New England offense. I mean, we saw what he did in Alabama senior year. He had 876 yards, if good for 5.8 per carry, 22 receptions, but we know that most of those receptions are going to go to James Way. I could just see potentially here that Damian Harris gets a small role, able to get some touchdowns, goal line carries, and if Sonny Michelle goes down, which – with his injury history, it's quite possible Damian Harris could fit. I mean, hey, even if Sonny Michelle just fumbles the ball, we could see Damian Harris on the field. And uh, we know how Belichick feels about fumbling the ball. So that's who I'm going to run with here. I mean, we're talking about outside the top 40 dart throws. So there we go. If there's a guy in the top 12, guys, that you consider the most dangerous to take, who is that guy? Scott, let's start with you. Yeah, this is a tough one for me, but it, I'm t- I'm saying James Conner, and, and I'm reluctantly saying him. It, it's you, you look at how he kind of wore down later in the season. And I just I, I think there's a lot of truth to what you've been hearing out of camp. And James Conner himself said he's fine with the with the timeshare and splitting all, some of the carries. I think uh, Pittsburgh's going to be interested in keeping him fresh and not seeing him break down. Uh, I, I think. Like it or not, cancer can take a, a lot of a pounding on, on your body. He did well last year. He lost the weight and everything. But more or less, I think it's a, a Jalen a Jalen Samuels issue. I, I just think Jalen Samuels is going to take away some of that passing work. I, he proved himself as a jack-of-all-trades last year. And I think they're just going to use him a lot more. So I, I don't expect James Conner by no means to, to be a bust. Or anything like that. I, I just think there is a pathway there with ABB and going this Pittsburgh offense kind of being in a transition and, and trying to figure out what they're going to do. Ben Roethlisberger is another year closer to retirement. So I can see things breaking a certain way to where James Conner maybe doesn't return quite the value and has a, a little bit of danger. But it, this was really a hard one for me. So he, he's just kind of where I'm planting my flag. And it's got a little bit more to do with Jalen Samuels than anything else. Andrew, yeah, this is <laughs> this is really hard for me as well. I, I think, you know, I didn't want to take the easy way out here and go Gurley. You know, I think Gurley would have been the hot pick if we really all wanted to be honest about it. I think, you know, we can all see a possibility of arthritis acting up and Gurley, you know, messing up. But hey, that's why we have Gurley ranked where we do. I'm going Joe Mixon. Um, I'm just I'm a little concerned about the offense just imploding. I think it's possible that AJ Green, while I like taking AJ Green earlier than most people. I think it's totally possible that A.J. Green just doesn't come back to who he is this year and he blows up. I think there's possible that Tyler Boyd doesn't you know, have the year that we saw him have last year. I, I think it's just completely possible for things to implode in, in Cincinnati and you know, first-year head coach down there, uh, the track record. Um, 
you know, and their new coach is not, you know, one to really look at. And I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm just kind of worried that their offense could implode and Mixon could not really put up the numbers that we'd expect to see out of a top 10 running back, top 12 running back. So that's, that's kind of where I'm going to put my flag at. But at the same time, I, I'm really, I'm kind of like with Scott. I'm just, I'm not really advising against my pick. I'm just laying out the possibility that I think it could definitely happen. For me, I'm going with Dalvin Cook here. I stated it earlier. I'm just really concerned about those injuries on top of it. They have one of the top eight worst offensive lines. I just one of those things I just don't know how uh, how I can take them within this range. It's it, I just want to stay away from them. That's just how I feel about them just because I haven't been able to see them stay on the field. I just prefer to take somebody that I know I feel is going to be there for 16 games or at least 14 games. So top five upside outside of the top five. I'm going with Devonta Freeman here. One, we've seen him do it before. 2015, he finished as the running back number one. 2016, he finished as number six just outside. And then he had two injury-riddled seasons. Now that he does, I have Tevin Coleman there I, to steal some touches from him. I don't have a lot of faith in Ito Smith or anyone else in that backfield coming in to really steal from him. I think Devonta Freeman is just on a path to be able to jump back into that top five. Uh, that offense is, is gelling. Uh, they, it's the offensive power is there and they are, you know, they have super Super Bowl aspirations. I just see Devonta Freeman having that opportunity to be able to jump back into that top five. So we shall see. Scott, uh, who's your top five guy? Yeah, the guy that I really think can uh, get into that top five, and I talked about him earlier, but uh, I think Josh Jacobs is is a guy there in Oakland. I, I, I think he'll get close to 300 touches, and I think the talent is there. And I think coming from Alabama and playing in the SEC, he – the speed and the, the way defenses move isn't going to be as big of a transition for him as what it is for some rookies. And, you know, just I think he has the the total package that you're looking for. We talked about how John Gruden is, is typically run some of these running backs into the ground, like Cadillac Williams, Tyrone Wheatley, a few others. So he's a guy I'm really excited about and I, I think has that top five upside and, and can be a, a sneaky, sneaky play. And I think he's a good bet to outperform his ADP. Andrew, who's your top five guy? Yeah, it's going to be Carrion Johnson. Um, you know, I'm, I think like Scott's higher on Josh Jacobs than we are. I'm higher on Carrion Johnson than you guys are. I think I'm just really excited about the potential for Carrion out there. I think you just look at the track record, you know, from college. You look at last year, what he did in his shortened rookie year. I think just a lot to be happy about, a lot to look forward to. I think, you know, you, you have Theo Riddick on. So I think, you know, in a PPR league, he's got that clear path to a lot of catches. I just... I'm really excited about it. I think this is going to be an offense that's going to form themselves around carry-on, and I just think as long as he stays healthy, it's there. I just I think the value you're getting at lends, lends you know, yourself to really put yourself in a great position to win some fantasy leagues. So I'm definitely looking forward to watching carry-on play. I think he's an incredible talent, and I think he's someone that uh, fantasy owners should definitely keep an eye on um, You know, as we approach the beginning of the football season. 
Well, guys, I think that about wrap it up for our running back preview. This has been a four-hour episode. So uh, any last thoughts? Anything out there that we may not have touched on that you had in the back of your mind that you wanted to throw out there before we before we end this thing? No, nah, I think we pretty much touched on everything. Hopefully we gave some people uh, things to look at and consider when they're drafting. Uh, and if you've got any questions, look, go ahead, give us a follow on Twitter. At four downs pod, we'll be more than happy to interact, answer any questions, and give you some advice. Try to help you win your league. Yeah, um, not much to touch on. Um, just um, you know, if you guys have uh, if you have Venmo, send us your Venmo on Twitter so that when Derek Henry sucks this year, Scott will Venmo you five dollars. <laughs> so um, Venmo, Cash App, PayPal, shoot it over. Scott will owe you money when Derek Henry sucks. So we had the John Vea Johnson show. This has been the official Derrick Henry show. And guys, we are out. <laughs> <laughs>